Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm Kathy Barron. My guest today is the author of the book, The Status Quo. She's a transformational speaker, writer, and lover of all things furry. Please welcome Glenda Hoon Russell. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Kathy, so much for inviting me to be on. It's an honor to have this conversation with you. Well, I'm very excited to get started because, you know, the status quo piqued my interest um, because it definitely has to do with the status quo, which I feel a lot of people in this country are tired of as of late. And they've shown that through protesting and campaigning for their uh, representatives and voting. So what prompted you to change the status quo to the status quo? And what makes the status quo a foe? First of all, I love play on words. You know, mm-hmm. that's something that in my marketing background that I've always loved. So when I was thinking of a title for my book and this business that I'm in, I thought, you know, I want to do something fun with words. But I call my book and what I do the status quo because I believe that the status quo is the enemy to living the life you truly deserve. And the life you truly deserve is a life filled with happiness and experiencing joy, well-being, and peace. And peace with experiencing the life that you want to live. And so I talk about how the status quo is distracting us from being our highest and best selves, living our true potential. And it does it in a way that, I, you know, Kathy, are you, are you still in Santa Fe or what city are you in now? I'm in the Bay Area in California. So you, you live in a big city. And one of the things about being in a big city is you get used to the, the horns of cars, the ambulances, the, the noises of your neighbors and construction and Though that noise becomes white noise, as if we live our day living the way that we want to live, trying our best, but there's these distractions, this white noise that's always there. And that's how I think the status quo is. It's these noise, this noise that we're paying way more attention to than what is actually needed or healthy, because it's and it's distracting us in a way that we don't even know it's distracting us from living our our potential and and it can be things like standards beauty standards health standards it could be professional standards it could be that our value in life has to be through our productivity and how much we hustle and how many labels and identities we hold and this constant competition is keeping us from from being truly ourselves because we're just competing against the next person beside us when in reality we're all on our own path and we're all doing we're all meant to be doing whatever we are meant to be doing as an individual so why do you think people are okay with the status quo that's such a good question you know Kathy I wouldn't say that people are necessarily 
okay with it. It's more of apathetic to knowing that they're on autopilot. You know, one of the things that I promote a lot is self-awareness. Because self-awareness allows you to truly to get to know yourself, to be present with what are your actions, what are your, how do you feel right now, what are your thoughts that are coming through, like being present with how we actually are in this moment and not caught up in crazy thoughts that are, you know, taking us to a whole other place. So this self-awareness, I think, brings light to where in our lives that we are being more on autopilot, being there are actions that we're doing, even if it's just cooking, even if it's just going to work, but we're not doing it, being fully aware of what we're doing. And I truly believe that when we follow the status quo, when we're just wearing these avatars that are not truly ourselves, that we tend to go in this autopilot behavior because we're not living the life we want to live. We're just living the life that someone else told us to live. Mm -hmm. So we tend to escape through being on autopilot, through alcohol, retail therapy, um, over like workaholism, um, over-glorifying busyness. I mean, there's so many masks that we wear to escape sitting and watching hours upon hours of TV or video games or any kind of mindless activity. And, and don't get me wrong, I don't necessarily think that all TV is bad. I mean, I, I like to watch Netflix, but it's when we're constantly doing it on a daily basis and that's the most exciting thing that we're doing during the day. Right. Like binge watching Queen's Gambit, you know. <laughs> Which is so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't think that it's necessarily that. Pe I mean, we're okay with the comfort of being on autopilot because there's a certain comfort level that comes with that. You know, who doesn't love to sit and, you know, watch the Queen's Gambit, you know, with a couple beers in hand or whatever your drink of choice is, and that's your evening. What we're not realizing is how incredibly precious our lives are and that we're wasting so much time in front of the screens, in front of TV, and we're not living out our true potential because we're putting so much energy into the identities that society is telling us to live, that we're so exhausted to work on ourselves. Yeah. And that's so true with the, you know, state of the world right now with the pandemic, that people are just exhausted because they have to wear so many hats that they're not used to wearing. And on top of that, you want me to take care of me and be self-aware and transform myself? It's like, you know, we just don't have the time or energy to do that. So that's definitely something that I think a lot of us are dealing with at, at a much higher level than ever before. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think that... We've been going through that, but it's amplified right now. The light is really shining because we're not doing the same routines. A lot of us are stuck at home where 
we were, you know, either overwhelmed with family activities or on the other side of the spectrum, we're completely bored because we have nothing to do. You know, I've heard so many different stories. Everyone is going through such a different experience with this pandemic. I mean, every single person. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, you had mentioned that, you know, life is precious. And that was one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, like cliches, like life is too short, live today like it's your last. And, you know, when I hear those, I get it, but it frustrates me to hear them. Because it's like, on the one hand, I'm totally on board with it. And like, hell yeah, I'm totally going to live today like it's my last. I'd love to quit my job. I'd love to give, you know, quit my apartment, get an RV, travel around the country, do podcasting on the road. I would love to do that and meet people, learn about their life experiences. But we all have financial responsibilities. We all have family responsibilities. How can someone like myself, who is just jonesing to get out there on the road, who doesn't want to live the status quo and knows that life is too short, how can we move away from just getting by to pay the bills? How can we still live in civilization and live the life that we truly desire? I truly believe that it starts with getting to know yourself, giving yourself permission to allow yourself to play a little bit. Like as adults, for example, we're taught that if you're playing or being silly or wearing lots of colors or decorate your house with tons of beautiful colors, like that's childish. You know, like we're taught as adults to be serious. So we can become rigid in our thinking. We become rigid in our, our actions and our behaviors. And takes away the play that we can incorporate in our life. And one of the things that I talk about in my book is incorporating curiosity back into your everyday. Because the thing is, is that curiosity allows us to explore a concept freely. Because you're just questioning, you know, you're you're just Seeing like what what is there that I'm not seeing? What is, you know, what what are the possibilities? And I think it's when we can open up that little bubble and start to begin to see things differently, to have a curiosity that maybe there's a different way that I can see this, that that allows us to explore and to play. And because, I mean, we live live in a society that's all about right answers, that Mm. we're taught from a young age, uh, you know, in our school systems that you have to make straight A's, you have to know the answer, you're rewarded when you know the answer. And the thing is, is that we're not taught to ask why, we're not taught to explore. And we were taught about Neil Armstrong, but what, what we weren't taught was, why was that so profound? Why wasn't it a woman? Why wasn't it a person of color? You know, we were not taught to ask why. And within that beautiful, simple question of why, I think that we can truly expand in areas that we might be rigid. And so going back to your original question, I think that incorporating 
curiosity and asking the question of why am I, why am I living this way? Why am I thinking this way? Like asking yourself, I mean, this is truly an inner dialogue, asking yourself, why do I think this way? And letting yourself discover, go down to the root of, well, I think this way because society tells me that I have to live this way in order to be considered valuable. Fuck that, you know? Like I, that's the starting point of, I think any, because I can't tell you how to live your life and because we all have different stories, we all have different financial stories, we all have different experiences behind us, but what you can do is start to question why why you're living a certain way, why you're thinking a certain way, and start uh, whittling down to the root of someone else is pressuring me, but I don't have to feel this way. Or this was something that my parents taught me that although they have great intentions, they might not have taught us the right thing that was for us, even if they did have the best of intentions. And so that's where it's empowering to ask why, because then it opens up the possibility of saying, you know, this isn't for me. I want to live a different way. I think that self-worth, like finding that self-worth and building that is so important for any person to have the courage to be themselves and to do the things that that they feel passionate about. Anything worth doing takes time. I mean, mm-hmm. it took my husband and I years to become financially independent. And it, you know, we both worked jobs where we hoped to retire at some point, but, you know, we had to get rid of over $80,000 in debt. And it was something that was important to us because we wanted the freedom, but it took time. It took taking lessons. It took reading books about financial management and taking classes. And, you know, it, it's that effort that's so important. We had a goal in mind and we, we worked towards it. And so I think that everyone can do that, but it takes time. There's nothing that nothing has to happen within 30 days. Right. And I think that's part of it. It's like, you have to do the work. And you can't just think it's going to magically appear. It's like, you know, you want to win the lottery, but you don't play. You had mentioned that self-awareness is the new superpower. And you kind of talked a little bit about it just now as far as what it means to have self-awareness. Why is it so important for someone to be self-aware? And if someone, I mean, everyone is self-aware to some level, but how can people harness that power? Oh, man, I love this question, Kathy. Self-awareness to me is when you are present with yourself, and that's on a physical and a emotional and a mental level. And don't get me wrong. like I, It's not that I am present and I know every single thought that's going through my mind. Like This is something that I'm still very much working on. But there are glimpses of being self-aware that I can realize that if I'm doing something that I can pause and decide to do a different, go in a different direction. So for example, there were two significant events that happened in my life that started our RV journey, but, and and I can go into those later, but basically from there, I was during those two events that my, I had lost both of my parents. 
I went into a phase where I was drinking heavily. The thing is, to me, I thought reaching for that glass of wine after work was very common. All my friends were doing it. I would go to networking events. Everyone was drinking around me. You go to a baby shower, everybody is drinking. Like we definitely live in a world of glorified drinking. So that's something that I really struggled with, that I began to, after work at five o'clock, I would start to salivate wanting that wine, wanting that beer, wanting that drink, because I kept telling myself, this is how I take the edge off because I was so unhappy with what I was doing. And what self-awareness has done for me is it has helped me to realize that those cravings are just craving to get away from something else. What am I trying to escape from? And so through time, I mean, this wasn't something that happened overnight, this happened over a few years, But through time, I was able to acknowledge those cravings and find a different outlet and direct that in a different way. But I think also within that, you acknowledge that this isn't the way I want to live. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be that, that is every time they go to a social event, they have to have a drink or every time they go to a family event, you, you have to drink to take the edge off to talk to that certain someone. You know? Right. Because we've all I'm, been there. That, those holiday parties. There, right? and <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But, you know, I didn't want to live my life depending on some kind of external external substance in order to have fun, to feel relaxed. And so what self-awareness does is it allows you to get to know yourself on a level that you know what your triggers are. You know what, when your body is feeling stressed, happy, angry, you learn the different, what, what it actually feels like physically. And I think when you can learn what it's like physically, then you move on to the thoughts that are just constantly going through your mind that are creating emotions. And then those emotions make us feel a certain way. And then we're just, it goes down like a big old snowball down a a hill. You know, it just, it keeps building. And through self-awareness, there's a space of when you are able to acknowledge the, let's say the trigger, there's a a little space, it's it's an imaginary space, but a little space that you you have the choice to make a decision of, do I wanna continue living this way or do I want to change so I can live my highest best self? And that's where our power lies. It's in that little itty bitty space of, being able to pause and make a decision. And if I'm being honest, I don't always make the best decisions. You know, there's still times where I've had a particularly hard day and what's, you know, I, I open up a bottle of wine or whatever, you know, right. it's, yeah. it's one of those. And I'm not saying all drinking is bad. bad. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the dependency. Yeah. Yeah. You're aware that it's happening. It's not just like a knee jerk reaction of doing that 
So let's talk about your book, The Status Quo. I'm interested to know what it's about, if you have a favorite chapter, and if so, what the message is. So my book is all about, I mean, it's, it's the status quo. It's, it's determining what the distractions are in our life and building that self-awareness. And I talk a lot about that we all have this war that's happening inside of us. That it's, you know, we see it a lot with our inner dialogue. You know, you don't hear a lot of people... I mean, there's some self-help people that, that definitely promote this, but you don't hear a lot of people saying, you know, love yourself and <laughs> accept yourself for who you are. No, our culture is very much telling us you need to look a certain way, smell a certain way, have a certain skin, you know, it, all of these things that is telling us be yourself, but only after you buy this product. Mm. And what I want to do is bring awareness to what those possible distractions are and learning to use the, I, I use a lot of Buddhist practices because Buddhism changed my life in a very profound way. And, and one thing that I, I want to be really clear on is I use a lot of Buddhist practices in my practice and in the book, but it's from a secular approach. So it, I, I focus more on the, the philosophies and the practicing religious aspects, because mm-hmm. one thing that I love about Buddhism is it's something that can be applied to someone who is incredibly religious, someone who's in between, or someone who's not religious at all. And one of my teachers has this quote that he says often is, to use Buddhism not to be a Buddhist but to be a better whatever you already are. And that's a great quote. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And what I love about that, it just means that the secular approach, it, it's universal. And, and it's things like in, teaching you about impermanence, what you can control and not control, what is suffering. And these are all really powerful lessons that I think that if, if it speaks to some people, it, does, it just really spoke to me in, in, in making a big change. So I, I use a lot of Buddhist practices in my book. I, I think that in order to be liberated and to have the energy to be yourself, to have the energy to do the things that you want to do and to have the, to build that confidence and courage to change your life into whatever you want it to be, that there's a certain type of space that we have to create in order to include that in in that space. And I think that by going through the healing process, and, and there is no set process to the healing process, but learning to know yourself and know what okay, that's a, that's a trigger that's making me, that's making me upset. Well, that's, you know, like, let's say that, I don't know, somebody cuts you off on the freeway, you know, we've all been there and start yelling at that person. And then throughout the rest of your sitting in traffic, you're yelling at everybody else, you're really grumpy, you're honking, you're gripping the steering wheel. There is something that 
triggered that within us. And every trigger is is essentially an unhealed wound. Mm. And that we can learn something from every time that we get upset, every time that we get offended, every time that we're we're just, you know, we just don't don't feel right. That it's something inside of us telling us like this is something that we could heal from, that we could let go. It's a process, but it's so important to clear the runway. I mean, you, you see in airports, a plane, you know, can't, I, I've heard of this story that there was a, a moose on a runway uh, of an airplane runway, and they had to wait for the, the moose to get off the runway before the plane could land. And that's the thing is, we have to clear the runway before we can land. And some of that, I believe, has to do with healing some of the past avatars that society, our parents, whoever told us to wear and letting go of those so we can truly be ourselves. Yeah. And that's a huge undertaking, especially if those wounds are so deep. And, you know, a lot of times people just don't want to go there, which is understandable. But at the same time, in order to free yourself of those, you kind of have to do you got to kind of, you got to go spelunking. You got to get into that cave and dig and figure it out so that you live a free life because no one wants that baggage within themselves because it's just too restricting. Do you have any practices that you could recommend that maybe you do on a regular basis to kind of help people open up that self-awareness? Yes. So one of the things that, especially in the beginning of my practice, I researched about emotions and studying them from a standpoint of understanding what happens within the body when we feel stressed, when we feel angry, and being able to recognize that within yourself. Because your body is going to react to stress in a very different way than my body. And I think that by studying what other emotions, what what you can learn about emotions like anger and guilt and what does shame feel like and what are thoughts that could potentially pop up, then that's when you can recognize it within yourself. And so that was something that I did in the very beginning was learning to acknowledge when I'm feeling shame, when I'm feeling guilt, when I'm feeling anger. And that gave me the power to step back and say, okay, I am feeling this way and it's okay and valid that I am, but I have a choice to either run with that emotion and let that take over me or to take a different approach. So do you have a favorite chapter of your book? It's kind of like asking a mother what their favorite kid is. Oh, man. Gosh, I, I'd have to say that it's one of my first chapters. And it's a, I don't know if this is the name of the chapter, but it talks about impermanence. And this is a lesson from Buddhism, but that change is the only constant. This is one of the most profound lessons that I learned that it's so simple, but when you start applying it to different aspects, of your life, it's incredibly liberating. 
the, the way that I see impermanence is, um, who is it? The, the Greek philosopher uh, Heraclitus, he had us a quote that no man steps in the same river twice. And what I love about that is that if you were to go stand in a river, you, you would never be in the same water twice or whatever is passing you by. The water is constantly flowing. The rocks and pebbles move. The air around you is moving with the, the wind. So there's no aspect of permanence in a river. And even if we don't see it physically, there's still on a micro level, there's still changes going because that's life. Like there's atoms and particles and beautiful science that's happening. You know, that's everything is constantly changing. When we're able to look at life and go with the flow of it, that we can let go of how life we think life needs to be, we, how life was, that's liberating to me. I think that's a great chapter to bring up because I think it relates to everyone and we do make ourselves suffer more than we sh we need to be as far as the thoughts of the past and how we want the future to look like and, and that sort of thing. So being present in the moment is definitely a good practice and it's definitely not easy, but it's one that is some sort of freedom in itself. Absolutely. And Kathy, you hit it, the nail on the head. It's not easy. It's something that I had to intentionally make a decision to take decisive action on. That if I want to live a more peaceful life, that there are things that I have to do to change my way of thinking, my environment, my... And I think that that's one of the important parts is that we need to stop making things about, you know, this isn't a, a 10 day to enlightenment, that it's a process <laughs> and that processes take time. Yeah. And that's okay. It's okay that things take time. Healing takes time. I say constantly, the heart has no sense of time. And when we're healing our hearts, when we're healing that war inside of us, there is no timeline that's pressuring you that you have to get over this. You will know when you make peace with that part of your past. And that's, that's one of the parts of self-awareness is that it also cultivates compassion within yourself. That we are so conditioned to hate ourselves, be really hard on ourselves, when the magic is when you can learn to be kind to yourself because being hard on yourself makes life hard, whereas being kind to yourself makes life manageable. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Glenda, for being on the show today. I enjoyed it immensely, and I wish you luck with your book and hope that the process becomes a little more gentler for you. <laughs> and... Uh, I think you said you're looking to launch it in spring of 2021. Yes, I am looking at, at spring of 2021 as of right now to release. And if you're interested, you can go to my website, The Status Foe, and Foe is F-O-E, so thestatusfoe.com, and sign up on my, my newsletter, and you can get information about my book launch.
launch and be one of the first. I'm also looking for beta readers if someone would be interested in getting a free version of the book and then giving me some feedback. And um, so I'd, I'd really appreciate that. But great. And you can also find me on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Glenda Hoon Russell. Thank you, Kathy, so much for having me on. It was great talking with you. Thank you for listening to Women Who Sarcast, an independent podcast. We welcome and encourage your snarky comments. Contact us at womenwhosarcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at womenwhosarcast. Support us on Patreon and become part of our sarcastic community. Visit www.patreon.com backslash womenwhosarcast. Show music provided by Mike Imbasciani.